The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there, kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of a Christ who is both king, divine and intimate human companion. Amen. Happy Christ the King Sunday. Today we celebrate the majesty of the resurrected Christ, the King of a supremely good kingdom. We celebrate by reading about Jesus' crucifixion. He was human, and he was in pain, and he was dying. And at the same time, He was promising paradise to the man who was dying by his side. Jesus as earthly human companion and Jesus as king of heaven, both at the same time. This twofold Jesus was with me this past week as I traveled to Chicago and back for a meeting with some folks who helped to facilitate a Lilly Endowment program that Tony and I are a part of. My flight from Chicago to Boston was fantastic. It was my first flight without a small child in tow in over five years, and I was pretty giddy about that. It occurred to me, as I rose above the clouds that morning, that flying is essentially a spiritual experience an exercise in taking in a wider perspective, an opportunity to rise above the clouds and move in one swift moment from early morning darkness to heavenly sunlight over white, fluffy clouds. There was something in this experience about resurrection and something about Jesus as the unseen pilot essential to the whole experience, Christ the King, 
of the Boeing 747. As the ascent put butterflies in my stomach, I remembered poetry that I have both read and written about this exact experience, unlikely human flight. Oh, my mind and heart waxed poetic for those two and a half childless hours as I flew far from home 30,000 feet over the earth. And then I landed and raced across rush hour Chicago to a 9 a.m. meeting, sat in a boardroom all day feeling slightly nauseated from exhaustion and a head cold that won't go away. I crashed in a hotel, lonely, missing my family, and disappointed that staying in a hotel all by myself wasn't panning out to be the relaxing and vacation-like experience that I had expected and hoped for. I woke up an hour before my alarm, still stuffed up and slightly grumpy. Jesus, I am tired, I whined. And I want to go home. So I walked to Lake Michigan. As I watched the sun rise over the water and the moon set over the city behind me, I was lifted back up to that transcendent place of poetry and prayer and awe. A number of jet streams stretched across the deep blue and pink sky and two of them crossed each other, creating a huge celestial crucifix in the sky. The magic of a sacred sunrise buoyed me through my train ride to the airport, where I breathed through security and boarded my return flight in anticipation of another spiritual experience in the clouds, hoping to write my sermon while feeling inspired by the majesty of air travel. And then, just after takeoff, the woman in front of me reclined her seat to take a nap. (laughs) And my laptop is too big to open all the way when the person in front of me has her seat reclined, so I couldn't write my sermon. But I did try so that everyone around me could see my conundrum. I opened it at 45 degrees and sneaked. It wasn't pretty. It was pretty pathetic, actually. And I got pretty disturbed about how angry I was at this woman for reclining her seat. I grumped my way all the way home, annoyed at a man on the bus for not moving his suitcase off the seat when plenty of us were standing looking at the seat. Frustrated that I came out of the tea just in time to watch my bus pull away from the curb without me. And then I got home. And my two-year-old squealed, Mommy, and ran into my arms and hugged me right back to heaven. Today, as we look at these two seemingly diametrically opposed images of Christ, I want to propose that just as our concept of God is incomplete without creator, spirit, and redeemer all at once, Our concept of an accompanying Redeemer who gets where we are is incomplete without knowing both powerful King and completely human, entrenched in our nitty-gritty, frustrating, painful, joyful, awkward, limited human experience.
incarnate God. I am reminded of a line from the movie Aladdin, a line that Robin Williams says, he's the genie. And when he comes out of the lamp and introduces himself to Aladdin, he explains that he has phenomenal cosmic powers and an itty-bitty living space. Our phenomenal cosmic Jesus, Christ the King, was in all that I saw out of my airplane window. He was in that sunrise over Lake Michigan and that sacred jet stream crossed. And he's in the poetry and the prayer and the awe inspired in each of us as we witness Christ's majesty in one another and in the great, wide, amazing creation around us. Christ was in that homecoming hug gifted to me by my two-year-old. And Jesus, the often grumpy rabbi, was in my grump with me as people and situations annoyed me and wore me out and left me wanting to go home. Maybe Jesus wanted to go home pretty often, too. It's not easy to be human. It's hard work. As humans, we have wounds and we grieve. We are vulnerable and we carry responsibilities that sometimes seem too heavy. We get sick. We have to make difficult decisions. We witness pain in those around us and we feel helpless. We feel angry. Our hearts break. We get annoyed. We get tired, and we keep waking up each day knowing that the path ahead is not guaranteed to be easy or pain-free or predictable. And we have a God who decided to allow all of that to be true for him, too. I've been thinking a lot about the line in the gospel today that comes from the compassionate criminal who's crucified next to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We chant this line on Good Friday. We pray it throughout Holy Week. And I've always wondered if it was just a memorial of that conversation. You know, because Jesus has already been resurrected and is in his kingdom. So how can I pray Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Perhaps we pray it knowing that Jesus is forever coming into his kingdom. And also leaving it behind to be with us. As my friend Brian said yesterday, Jesus is the ultimate one foot in, one foot out guy. Later on, Brian said that Jesus might be more like two feet in, two feet out. I agreed with both assessments. Part of the mystery of the incarnation is that Jesus won't fit into any kind of mathematical equation. He is all God and all human. And he has chosen to sacrifice some of his divinity to be more fully with us. And that doesn't necessarily make him less divine. Perhaps it makes him more. 
as he mysteriously resides in his kingdom on heaven and on earth, I have a feeling that Christ is working to move each of us into the kingdom and the kingdom into each of us. I see evidence of this here, this movement of the kingdom in the ministries and relationships of this place. The kingdom gets closer through each of your ministries through your presence here, through our communion with one another. And the kingdom seeps out into the world through us because we bring Christ's love with us as we go. And then, I believe, we become a part of Christ's movement, Christ's dream. A dream that one day all will be aligned with his love and Jesus' phenomenal cosmic powers will no longer be held hostage in the itty-bitty living space he voluntarily moves into to be one with us. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, the criminal said from the cross, as he knew that he was dying and wanted to be with Jesus in paradise. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, I prayed, as I found myself in awe, flying in that kingdom in the clouds. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, I mutter as I wallow in my grumpy moments. Don't be so entrenched in paradise, Jesus, that you forget about me, about us, hurting down here in our limited human condition. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, we pray. Somehow confident that Jesus will continue to come into our kingdom, his kingdom, and continue to come into our lives, back and forth perpetually, until his kingdom has saturated heaven and earth, And each of us is partaking fully of his love. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen.